You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Eric Barton. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Good morning. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, November and our pastor, Eric Barton, is a turkey. I mean... He's in Turkey on a teaching trip. That's the last dad joke, I promise. Uh, my name is Matt McGill, and I'm going uh, to be teaching today. I, I want to I start with a little story. Uh, so I have recently begun riding uh, my uh, bicycle again. And I, I ride this bicycle. I'm riding this bicycle down... Earl Campbell Parkway, so fast. I said, I'm getting a little fast. I try to take a quick turn in. The front tire gives out, and I went flying off the bicycle. Enough of that. So I fall, I turn, I cover, I protect, I preserve all the goods. And then I stand on my feet real quick and project as if I never fell. Well, today my uh, message uh, is simply the gospel. And I keep hearing God tell me that a lifetime of sinning has prepared me for this message. That's a little upside down, isn't it? It's not what you would think. It would be maybe you might think a lifetime of Bible work and discipline and study and prayer has prepared me for this message. And I don't mean to say that those things can't prepare you for a message like this, but I do want to say that what this message is going to show us today is what incredible loathsome sinners we are and that we are loved in spite of ourselves. So we start off and we'll just read the whole scripture, okay? So we're going to be at five, Romans 5, 12 through 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. 
Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of God. So what I want to say to you is, is, is it, my, my sermon prep came like that. When on my bloodied knee, having fallen off the bike, I, I stood to my feet and I realized how instinctual I had protected myself. How instinctual it was for me to cover, to protect, to preserve, and to project. To protect myself, to preserve as much of the valuable goods that I have, all that belongs to me, and to project strength to others. Now, I'm unique, and that goes without saying, if you know me, but I'm not that much different from any of the rest of you. And I think we look to see that in Adam, as Megan was alluding to, uh, in Adam, we are brothers and sisters. In Adam, we are brothers and sisters. So here's, 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 uh, here's Paul talking to the Romans. These are Gentile Romans uh, in Rome uh, who were all who really understood glory, and you're going to notice glory be woven through this. They understood glory. It was called about the, it was the glory of Rome, and Caesar was Lord. Well, now they have a new Lord, and they have a new value structure, a new economy, a new kingdom, and he's speaking to that. So, what this basically is, what I'm going to be teaching today, is the gospel, and and this first part is an outworking of Romans 3:23, which we've already heard, which is that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So I want to say to you that because you are a brother and sister to Adam, you have the heart of Adam. And the heart of Adam, I would submit, is projection, preservation, and protection. We have that heart of Adam there. So then we start. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we know now that sin came into the world through one man. And let's try our best to imagine the Garden of Eden. Perhaps we could think of it as the oldest story that ever was. And you could try to imagine it, but I want to say to you that it's going to be almost impossible. Because we only get four scriptures with Adam and Eve, four, four short scriptures of Adam and Eve uh, that were in effect, sinless. The rest of the Old Testament is replete with evidence of the fall. So really what I want to say to you is that your experience of Adam is not that you ever walked in the cool of the day with God, but that you have experienced in your life God over there and me over here. You have experienced the separation. And you don't have to look too far, right? I mean, I only have to look at the, that my father and his father, and the complicated relationship that existed between them and the complicated relationship that exists between me and my father. I mean, these Jews that Paul was, one, he, I mean, they understood, they had evidence of, uh, of, of, this, of the idea that, that, that sin of the fathers would be handed down to, through the generations, one to another. Guys, we live in a broken world because... We are raising broken children. We are broken, and they will raise broken children. We need a new word, a new hope, a new Adam. A sinner is not a sinner because he sins. A sinner sins because he is a sinner. We're talking about an identity here that, unfortunately, 
perhaps you're angry about it. I know I get angry about it sometimes. But that your dad is this side of eternity, Adam. 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. How do we know right from wrong? How do we know? Uh, how do we know what we ought to do? How do we know why things hurt when we do what we ought not do, except a law being given? So we protect, we preserve, and we project, and, we're, and this is always being done. We're, we're because we're cut off. We're trying to get somewhere that we can't get. We're trying to get back into the garden. We're east of Eden. We live our lives east of Eden, this side of eternity. This is what Paul's saying. The garden is too far back there. You can't get back there. Your mind can hardly conceive of what it would be like. The roots of humanity, as we understand it, are rooted in this ego, this separation from God, this sense that I conceive of myself. I wonder if Adam really conceived of himself. He didn't sit around thinking about Adam (laughs) <laughs> really, right? I mean, the, the, even the, the, the words of he walked in the cool of the day with God, they, they, seem, to, they seem to, to illustrate this sense of oneness that, that, that Adam had. And that I stand apart from you, and that you stand apart from one another relationally and emotionally and psychologically, that you conceive of yourself. You conceive of yourself because of the knowledge of good and evil. And that I know this world as this existential place of threat, so I have to protect. And I know that there's only so much to go around, so I have to preserve what's mine and keep some from you. See, there's this separation because of this brokenness. That I can't know what you think of me, and I'm desperate to control what you think of me, so there's this projection. Do you know that my biggest obstacle to faithful preaching today is that I care too much what you think of me? And I can't seem to control that because I've got this Adam dad, this Adam father, this sense of separation from the garden, this sense of separation from walking in unity with God. 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of of the one who was to come. Gosh, this is, this is full. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. This sin, this, this transgression that Adam and Eve did broke them off from the life of God. And so they hid from one another. They hid from God. And they were lost to themselves. They didn't understand themselves. They don't understand why I do the thing that I do. That's coming up in chapter 7. Paul's going to work that out. But he's speaking now to Gentiles. And he's saying, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. He doesn't start with Moses where the law was given for the, for the, for the Jews. He's going all the way back to Adam to say, Gentiles in Rome, Gentile Christians in Rome, you're connected to the first man that ever was. And he haunts you. His sin haunts you. Death reigns. It's not just that death sort of, kind of wins. It's that death reigns because they are broken off from the life of God. We're going to need reconciliation. So protection and preservation and projection, those sound like good words, but they're not in Adam. Because when we protect, we may trend towards preemptively striking. A hostility is there. 
when we preserve, we may trend towards greed and hoarding. And when we project, we're lying to the world about who we really are. People were already somehow incapable of expressing in and through their sin and suffering. They, they, sin was reigning, and they needed to make sense of it. So what did God do? And it was a gracious gift to us. God gave the law in Moses that we would know where the law abounds, the trespass increases. We understand. We put words to. God is continually making words flesh. He's speaking into existence the reality that we are broken and we are far from him, and we needed to understand why that is. It's because genetically we are tied to death, and we need extrication from that. We need to escape death and the power of sin and condemnation. Remember, Abraham was counted righteous, but not because he was actually righteous. He was counted righteous because he believed God. So what is happening today, through and, and every day you hear the word of God, is will you believe the word of God? Will you believe the word? So 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Well, I just read that, didn't I? Well, I'm all over the place. Relax, man. So what Paul is saying here is that there's only two men. When he says, who was a type of the one who was to come, he's not talking about us. He's talking about Jesus. And the reason that he's talking about, he's saying that Jesus was a type of the one to come is that God spoke Adam into existence didn't he? On the sixth day, he speaks. God speaks and manifests his will. And then what does John call Christ? The word made flesh. The visible image of the unseen God. So here is Jesus, who is a type of the one to come. Is Jesus sin? Does Jesus sin? No. Did Adam sin? Yes. But there was a time when he was created in the image of God, and he did not sin. But, he, but once sinning, it's not like he, you, can t you, can't, you can't, what Eric always says, you can't get that toothpaste back in the tube once it's out. So there's this sense of, really, there's only two men. And you don't get this middle ground of saying, yes, but I stand on my own feet. I am my own father. because the I am my own uh, uh, person. But the, because the reality is, is, is humanity is one thing. And, and it's the outworking of humanity, but it all goes back. We're tied to one another. Just try to tell a mother that she is separate from her daughter or a father that he is separate from his son. There is something of an essence in our children, and there is something of that essence. I mean, I look in the mirror, and I see my father every day. I bet you husbands have never heard from your wives, that's just like your dad. What you just did was just like, I mean, we, we can't get beyond this, no matter, I mean, no matter how, we'd how, how, how much we'd like for it to be. We can't get beyond that. So here is the free gift. So now he turns a corner, doesn't he? From our dire hopelessness, tethered to Adam as we are, he, he turns a corner to say, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by, that, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So we get much more and abounded. I'm thinking of, what is that, at Calvary? Their grace was multiplied to me. Check it out. The more you sin, 
the more you get forgiven. Or the more you sin, if you live with intellectual honesty and you believe the word of God, his grace expands in your consciousness. That's how he's sovereign even over sin. The 1549 Book of Common Prayer says, the condition of man after the fall of Adam is such that he cannot turn and prepare himself by his own natural strength and good works to faith. We're going to need a we're going to need a new word. We're going to need a new father. We're going to need a new uh, brother to live in to extricate us. The trespass of Adam has fragmented humanity, us from God, us from one another, and us from ourselves. But there's this idea here that really upsets people, and it's this idea of federal headship. So federal headship is just simply that because Adam sinned, you were dead in the water. And we don't like that, and we reject that, but check it out. Federal headship also extends in a positive sense. Because Christ is righteous, you get forgiven. And by the way, you're going to fall again and again and again, but his grace abounds because he lives it's the opposite of the death reigning. So we have this already, but not yet, don't we? We know that, that, that the gospel is for believers too. It's not just for unbelievers. It's also for believers. We need to hear this again and again and again because there's two of us that lives. There's him who is tethered to Adam and him who has been raptured by Christ. This, is how, this was close to Halloween. So I'll show, you, I'll show you what I did at Halloween a couple of years ago. Okay, there's uh, Dr. Uh, Jekyll, and here is Mr. Hyde. <laughs> now, I didn't have two different costumes, as you'll notice in this following slide. I thought it's much easier to say it goes right down half of me because I'm in the not yet. My feet are firmly planted on ground that has been cursed. And to contend with the sinful man that I am that's the only way to actually receive the gospel. You don't climb up a mountain and get the gospel. You climb up a mountain and you get the law. Isn't that what Moses did? He climbed up a mountain and he got the law. And the law says, climb up the mountain. But we keep falling down the mountain and we can't stay on the mountain. I need to fall into the arms of grace. The gospel is the good work that God has done in Jesus Christ to reconcile himself to us, us to one another. And I would submit, and I want to change this. You know, Eric always says this all the time, but I also want to say it reconciles us to us. Guys, we desperately need to understand ourselves. We don't know why we do what we do, and we keep on doing it. Fools that we are, who will deliver us? Thanks be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wait, I'm preaching seven. Hold on, i got to stop that. That's going to be coming in a couple of months, or I don't know how fast we're going to get to it, but... I will say Romans 7 uh, saved me. I will say that. So, we, grace is multiplied to us at Calvary. That I would say that grace is the oxygen by which Christians live. Now, I want to just take a second here, and I'm going to ask that we, on the count of three, take a deep breath together. One, two. Okay, now I want to also say to you that that's probably the first time you've thought about breathing in a couple of days. And if grace is the oxygen by which we live, we don't think about it nearly enough. And so death 
kind of still reigns in our life sometimes. You see, what, what Paul is saying here, he's not trying to get us to choose something different. He's trying to get us to be honest about our predicament so that we'll savor Jesus Christ. Jesus is the grace that we live and we move and we have our being in. But in Adam, what, what do we get? We get death. We get a sedentary, stagnant, no, going nowhere, hamster on a wheel, running and, and expiring, but never getting anywhere, and then, fi- and, then, and then just not having being. You see, in Adam, because there, there are only two men, you're not really alive in Adam. <laughs> you're just dead in Adam. You're just a zombie trying to get back up the mountain, and you're sinning all over the place, and it's just a mess like that slide he talked about last week. So this is the question is, we know that you know, it's true that you don't want a life in Adam. And yet, you do. You do want a life in Adam. Does anybody disagree with me today? I'll stop preaching right now. If you think that you don't functionally desire a life in Adam. You want to get back to the garden and you keep listening to the devil who cuts you off, Diablo, double, schism, separates you from the life of God by telling you, get out there, kid, you can do it. Get back up the mountain. That's where he wants you. That's how he kills and steals and destroys is by telling you, you can do it. You can do it. 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Justification is this legal pronouncement. It's something that's said over you. It's not that you actually have done anything ever without sin. It's that Christ did and is giving you. I mean, we get this like alien abduction. I love alien abduction language because that's really what happened. Isn't it? I mean, God has come from somewhere else. We can't really imagine what it is, but he has sent his son here. And his son has said, I'm going to zip you inside of me and take you where I'm going. And don't we need that? I want to be abducted. Jesus said, the good man brings the good out of the good stored up within him, and the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up within him. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've always read that and gone, I want to be the good man. I want to get up the mountain. I can do it. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Because I think, really, Jesus is the good man. And Adam is the evil man. And I go back and forth like Jekyll and Hyde. But Jesus, is what what Paul is talking about here is heart transplant. Saying, I don't need to do better. I need a new heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Except it's not your heart anymore if you've delighted yourself in the Lord, right? Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, because St. Augustine would say something to the effect that we are not primarily thinking thinkers. We're primarily loving lovers. We are worshipers by nature. We are worshipers, and we're either worshiping self and self-control and our own autonomy, or we are worshiping a God who has told us the horrible truth about ourselves and then 
provided abduction, provided a way out. So we need a new heart. The heart of Adam, protection, preservation, or projection. And the heart of Jesus is peace, purpose, and presence. And you don't get to really choose. You just really don't get to choose. I'm sorry. God understands your predicament. God understands that you're Jekyll and Hyde, that you're made in the image of God, but you're a result of broken humanity. And the cool thing is, is it's really interesting. He says, death reigned. Can you go back to that last? It was great. I noticed this. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned. Okay, so one man's trespass, death reigns. But check this out. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. So we go from death reigning to us reigning. And I want to reign, man. I want to reign. Do you see that? It's like, it's like this, all, all of this, uh, God understands us so well that he's actually giving us what we were wired to desire, which is reign, but we don't get to do it on our own two feet. We do it tucked inside of Jesus Christ because he's the only one who didn't sin. There's only two men. You only get one of two hearts. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ. I want to reign, and I want to reign this side of eternity. And I can only have peace and purpose and presence when I surrender my life. And that's what the cross looks like. That's the invitation. Look, Paul is showing us something terrible that horrifies us. I have a video here to illustrate this. I don't want to look at it. I'm scared. Protect, preserve, project. Blythe's like Paul. Ooh, church, look. It's the cross. Oh, we're almost through. I hope it's almost over. I don't want to be on the cross. Oh, it's beautiful. Wait, do, could I have peace, presence, and purpose? Look, I'm excited. But watch out, because I'm going to get terrified again in a moment. Just when I thought it was over, there's more cross in my life, and I notice it, and I, and wait, wait, oh, uh, oh, oh, that's scary. Look away. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's enough. So here is, uh, this is where I object, I uh, subject my kids to the things that scare them most, because I believe, as Carl Jung believed, that the thing that you most need will be found in the place you least want to look. Okay, so Numbers 21, we know that all the Israelites were out in the desert and they were snake bit. And they were on their way to death, just like us in Adam, on our way to death. Death was reigning. And Jesus, or God told Moses, take the head of that snake that has bitten all these people and led to their undeniable death, inevitable death. They're all dying. And he says, put it on the top of your rod and have them look at it that the instrument of death might be the instrument of healing. And that is what the cross is. You look at the cross. God, Paul is taking us to saying, look at the cross. You deserve it. And Jesus got it. Jesus took it for you 
so that you could have resurrected life, so that you could have rapture, so that you could have abduction, so that you could be carried away into the love, the peace, the purpose, the presence of God once again, re-entering the garden, redeeming the ground. There's an old uh, theologian that said something to the effect of, what we gain, we gain more in Christ than Adam lost. We gain more in Christ than Adam lost. Adam had a charge, tend the garden. He had a rule, don't eat from that. But he didn't have intimacy. He didn't have forgiveness. Do you know what it is to look into the face of your spouse and see that they have forgiven you? That's something like being loved by God because they know you in your death and they love you anyway. It's resurrecting. It's reviving. It's revitalizing. It's redemptive. And yet we keep, just like in that 1944 Looney Tunes, it's my favorite one, it's where uh, Sylvester is by the fire, presumably like we think maybe like the garden, uh, and, 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 he's, and it's a cold night, and the little old woman, it's called, it's called Hair Force if you want to look it up. The little old woman is, oh, Sylvester, and loving on her dog, and all of a sudden there's a cold bunny outside. Bugs Bunny's knocking to get in. And he comes in, and they keep throwing the dog out, and the whole rest of the story is this hostility that exists between the one who's trying to get in, and as he tries to get in, he throws the bunny out. I'm not so certain that Looney Tunes wasn't dialed in to Romans 5, 12 through 21, because Bugs Bunny is like Satan. <laughs> He's taking the dog and throwing him out and enjoying all the good things. And the dog keeps trying to get back in, and they just it's just tit-for-tat nonsense. I need a final word. I need a finished cross. I need to know that though I'm going to fall tomorrow, I'll still be forgiven. And that's where Jesus' resurrection means so much to me. Because he lives, his power to forgive does not end. You see, what is this? What Adam once had, he doesn't have anymore. But what Christ has, he never stops giving. And we keep trying to get back in to Adam. We keep trying to get back up the mountain, but it's futile. And we'll wake up every day more exhausted than the day before. But when we start to receive what Jesus has to give, we receive without end. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And I know this is completely contrary to the old kingdom's perpetual announcement of self-help. But the new kingdom is it's done with self-help. Your best thinking got you here is something like what the Alcoholics Anonymous would say. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. That's life in Adam. Again, you either get to be made righteous or you get to suffer condemnation. This is true for the believer and the unbeliever. If you are currently, I want to say this today, if you are currently enjoying justification and righteousness that Christ gives alone, praise God. Praise God. That's it. It doesn't get any better. This side of eternity. But if you're suffering condemnation, if you're suffering guilt and shame and fear, anxiety, praise God. Because that's the doorway. That's the cross through which 
God can announce his presence to you. Either way, he's working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So here it is. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. I have a picture of a horn. I always think of this. It says don't. There's a little tag in the antique store that says don't because it, you just want to squeeze that thing and hear that honk. You know, where the, where the law abounds, the trespass increases. But that's not really the, the, the correct application because we know that where the law is spoken, what did Jesus say? Jesus gave us a great law when he said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Try to do that for the next 30 seconds. You cannot. But what he was speaking out is live in me and be perfect because I am the son with whom God is well pleased. So the question I have for you today is who's your daddy? (laughs) Who's your daddy? You want Adam? That's a rotten family full of hopelessness. But Christ has said, live in me and you get a perfect father. Live in me, abide in me, and you get sonship. You get to be a daughter of God. You get adoption. You get grafted in to the love of God in Christ Jesus. The heart of Adam, protection, projection, and preservation. The heart of Jesus, peace, presence, and purpose. So I have a quick story. When I fell off the bike and I was walking back, I found two shiny objects because I was walking the bike and I said, oh, there's two shiny objects on the floor. And I found, or on the ground here outside, I found a, a, a dime, a beat up dime, and I found what looks like a wedding ring. This was only 30 seconds after my fall. And I said, this is a, this is a man's wedding ring. It almost, fits, it almost fits me. And it's busted up and broken. It, it looks like it's been used to do that thing that I envy men being able to do, the way they're able to take that and pop a beer bottle with the, I don't know. It, but it looks beat up. It looks thrown around. It looks like maybe it's endured a couple of hard nights in a marriage. And I imagined myself as I was walking, and I used to see this on the ground over, I was just on Donnybrook, and, and I picked it up and I said, someone has thrown this out the window. This picture of covenant, they have thrown out the window because they didn't have any hope anymore in the promise. Or maybe they never under, really understood it. And I want to submit to you today, but that the heart of Adam says, Throw that ring out the window and trust yourself. The covenant keeping God has arrived as he arrives every moment in Christ to put the ring back on your finger and that the promise would live and that you would live in the promise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you We thank you that we have heard from you this day. That in my flesh, all you would, it was only just a, this was just my 10 cents, just my little busted, broken dime. But in the spirit, you have reminded us of your covenant-keeping love that is without end. And as we come together today to celebrate that in the sacrament of communion, we thank you that what you have to give is without end. Make it known to us this day. And may those that have heard today hear a better 
message than the one that was preached. By the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.